Hi, Wayne. It's Chris. Uh, my name is Chris from uh, KUAM News in Guam. Hey, Chris. Good hey, evening. morning, morning. Right. <laughs> hey, so uh, I guess we just get right into it. Um, were you out here over the last weekend? No, no, I was out uh, in September. I I uh, spent uh, a few short days in, in September, but uh, we've been issuing some statements uh, remotely uh, in this last uh, two days. I've been in been in Washington D.C. Uh, so, in your your time that you spent on um, island, were you able to do any uh, research or, um, you know, find anything out, or maybe even uh, discuss the impending ban with any uh, uh, people here or cockfighters here? Oh yes, yes. I, I are we are we um, are we on air right now? I just wanted to. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm rolling. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What was the um, the kind of the feel of the, the discussions that you were having? Well, uh, I think that the general notion of my being out there was we were talking about the stray animal problem on Guam and talking about uh, solutions to address uh, that issue uh, for the benefit of, uh, of dogs as well as uh, uh, human safety and and, and other related issues, and you know, I've, I've traveled all over the United States, and I've traveled throughout much of the world. And the stray issue was is substantial, and we, you know, we're really thinking about addressing that issue. It seemed a lot of people on Guam were very concerned about about that issue. Um, uh, Guam Animals in Need, Gain, the nonprofit organization that does so much animal welfare work, is doing great stuff on that front. And, uh, you know, we're looking to help with, with that issue. So that was one uh, kind of line of thought that was was part of the many discussions that we had. And then uh, I also initiated uh, any of the discussions about the, the uh, ban that would be coming at that time about three months forward. Uh, now, of course, we fast-forwarded, and it's just a week away, uh, the December 20th implementation date or the effective date. Uh, for the latest upgrade of the federal anti-animal fighting statute that bans dog fighting and cock fighting everywhere in the United States, including in Guam. So, you know, there's a, a sentiment uh, here because of our political status and our relationship with the United States. We're an unincorporated uh, territory. So, um, And just talking with some uh, people yesterday, uh, one of the trains of thoughts is that this is another uh, federal mandate that, you know, we had no input um, in. And uh, cockfighting has a hundreds of years uh, long um, history on the island uh, as a cultural and a traditional um, event. So uh, how do you how do you kind of just, I guess, address that in, in in terms of, you know, people say that this is part of our culture and it's uh, something that we've been doing for hundreds of years? Sure. Well, let me just first address the issue of Guam's relationship to the, to the U.S. and the federal law. Uh, 
obviously Guam has, as you indicated, long-standing uh, relationship with the rest of the United States. There are a lot of concerns raised about uh, representation of the people of Guam um, in terms of our political system. I get that. It makes sense. Um, I, I think that that's a discussion that needs to advance. I mean, Puerto Rico obviously has that issue uh, very prominently as part of its criticism of the United States. And, you know, I think that's a really important topic. And, uh, you know, my own personal uh, instinct on this and, and view is to um, have everybody in the United States uh, represented in, in the United States Congress. Obviously, um, there is a congressman who serves uh, Guam, and uh, he has uh, some voting rights, but not full voting rights. Um, but they vote, uh, he and the other delegates and Congress members vote on all amendments, but they don't vote on the final passage of, of bills now that the Democrats are in control of the House, and then they don't have representation in the Senate. Uh, I think that's, you know, really important, uh, but that also is, is not a circumstance that I think would have, uh, or this circumstance would not have been altered in any way um, if... Uh, the delegates had more voting representation on this issue. This was not a close call in the Congress. If you think about 435 representatives and 100 senators, um, pretty much everybody in the Congress was for extending the ban on animal fighting to every part of the United States. This was just the latest. I mean, a number of U.S. states pretty recently had legal conch fighting. The last one to outlaw it was... Louisiana, which had 42 arenas, uh, probably a couple of million fighting birds. Um, Oklahoma had 40 arenas, uh, according to the state, had 2.5 million fighting birds. Uh, the Congress passed legislation at about the same time that the states passed legislation. In fact, the, the Congress passed the law in 2002 to ban all interstate transport of animals for fighting. That same year, Oklahoma voters... Uh, outlawed cockfighting because the state legislature refused to take up the cockfighting ban. Louisiana was was uh, not until 2008, and the Congress took action to crack down on animal fighting in Louisiana and the rest of the United States, even though Louisiana had it as a legal activity. So I get it, Chris. I understand the important political representation issues that have been raised. Um, I think that the cockfighting issue uh, and the dogfighting issue would have made no difference if Guam had full voting rights because the support in the Congress was absolutely overwhelming for this reform. Okay, uh, Wayne, so how would you address the... Um, because I, I feel, and maybe some other people feel as well, that there's this kind of like um, cookie-cutter application of, of these... Uh, laws on animal fighting that are applying in the territories where it's kind of a different history and uh, there's a different context with um, cockfighting. I mean, dogfighting, you know, of course we're opposed to dogfighting, but specifically with the cockfighting, it's, it's kind of become a tradition over the last uh, few hundred years, as well as in Puerto Rico. And I know that uh, they're trying to make... Um, movement on repealing uh, this ban in the territories. But if you could just speak to the the tradition and the, the um, cultural aspect of uh, chicken fighting on Guam. Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, uh, you know, cock fighting has been around for thousands of years. And 
experience. And, you know, the first cockfights were probably more than 3,000 years ago, and they were a big part of the Roman Empire, which, of course, expanded, um, you know, all over the world. And, and with it, cockfighting expanded. Uh, if you go to the Philippines, cockfighting occurs. If you go to Vietnam, if you go to South Korea, if you go to, to uh, parts of, of South Africa, to Mexico, to the Caribbean, United States. I mean, cockfighting has been a global enterprise. And I must say, Chris, I've heard the same argument in Oklahoma from rural whites. I heard the same argument from uh, Cajuns in, in Louisiana. I heard the same thing from Hispanics in New Mexico. And the reality is, in all of those places, while some small segment of cockfighters claimed that they had done this for hundreds of years, they you know, cited presidents who cockfighted in the 1800s. The people of all of those jurisdictions uh, ultimately decided either directly by ballot initiative or um, through their elected representatives to outlaw this practice at the local, state, and federal level. And, you know, I think if, if Filipinos do it, if Vietnamese do it, if uh, people from certain African countries do it, if Mexicans do it, it's not a distinctive cultural activity. It's something that was a worldwide phenomenon, like a lot of other uses of animals. I mean, you said, well, of course we oppose dogfighting, but dogfighting has the same set of arguments advanced by, by people in other parts of the world. I mean, Afghanistan has dogfighting, Iran and Iraq have dogfighting, Pakistan has it. I mean, cultural arguments are made. And I think, you know, the, the, the test is that does this measure up to our existing social standards with respect to the treatment of animals? And in a nation and in states and territories that oppose animal cruelty, I don't think it's a big leap at all to say that we should end staged animal fighting where we're not killing animals for food, we're killing them just for gambling and for the thrill of the entertainment. You know, we have a lot of different ways in which we use animals in society. And no practices are more widely criminalized or more severely criminalized and condemned than organized animal fighting. And I think it's a debate that, that has been going on for a long time. It's obviously going to continue. Uh, a lot of people um, in, in Guam or on Guam and in other parts of the United States have strong feelings about it. You know, there are busts of cockfighters in Texas and Pennsylvania and Maryland and California every day obviously those people feel like it's their god-given right or a cultural right to do it but we are a nation of laws and and this nation of laws has said that this practice is no longer permitted in our society it's a big moment on december 20th when it's banned everywhere in the united states and that obviously affects people who feel passionately about it i get it um uh, i don't in any way diminish the intensity of their feelings I just say that this is the way a representative government works, and and Guam is part of the United States, and this is now the law of the United States. What would you say uh, the argument that, you know, uh, and forgive me because it's something I heard yesterday, that we're talking about chickens, you know, I mean, it, it, uh, do you think that the rules of animal cruelty fly when you're talking about uh, livestock animals like uh, chickens? Yeah, I mean, Chris, these are really, these are good questions, they're important questions. Um, you know, again, I, I think that we do have 
different views of different animals, right? I mean, I think that, you know, Americans have a, have a particular affinity for pets, uh, domesticated animals who have been domesticated for thousands of years, and they live, you know, many of them live in our homes. Obviously, you know, some people have, uh, you know, strays they feed, and we have a whole network of organizations throughout the country that exist to, you know, help improve the lives of these animals, and we spay and neuter, and we adopt, and all of that. So yes, I think that we have we have more of a kinship with certain animals than others. But you know, for me, just looking at it from kind of a science-based perspective, it's an issue of of the capacity of animals to suffer. And I think that chickens and dogs and elephants and and all of these mammals and birds have that capacity. And I think the issue is is not to to say that it's okay to do bad things to to those animals, but to to really uh, apply our anti-cruelty principles in very practical ways in the real world. And you know. We eat chicken in society, right? I mean, obviously, people eat dogs as well. The the Congress in the same bill that the uh, anti-animal fighting provision passed applying to the territories did ban the sale of dog and cat meat in the United States. And there are people who say, hey, listen, I am from South Korea and I eat dog meat. It's been a long-standing tradition for us. There are 17,000 dog meat farms in South Korea. Um, which is a, which is a true and actual number. There are other people in the world who eat dogs, so people were upset about that. But we, as a society, have a process of decision making where citizens provide input, and that's the outcome that we did this. And I think chickens matter to people, right? I mean, less so historically than today, but there are debates about more humane treatment of laying hens in the egg industry. Almost all the major food retailers like Walmart and Costco and Kroger have have decided they're going to move toward cage-free housing systems for laying hens. There is a discussion about humane treatment standards for broiler birds, which are the meat birds, and having more humane systems for killing them. And at the same time, all 50 states outlaw cockfighting. Again, most of them started this in the 1800s. And... And uh, now our federal government, five times in the last 17 years, has overwhelmingly passed legislation to protect dogs and roosters from uh, people who would stage fights between them. Can we talk a little bit about the um, rewards uh, program? So I saw in the press release that this is um, specifically targeting uh, the territories, right? Uh, it's for it's it's for the nation. Um, but we are promoting it more in the territories because uh, of the open nature of some of the animal fighting. As I said, you know, when I went to the Dome, um, you know, it was a Sunday night uh, cockfight. There were probably 175 people there. Uh, it was an open-air thing. Uh, I was able to just walk in. Um, uh, there are uh, 65 or so arenas in Puerto Rico, and, you know, we want to see people observe the law. Uh, you know, we get it. We get the intensity of feelings. We understand the arguments. I've heard them for many, many years, and uh, I've had some really good discussions with people who were great enthusiasts of, of cockfighting. Um, you know, on dogfighting, I, I was very upset about what Michael Vick did 
with uh, with the dogs, and we pushed for his incarceration. Uh, but even after he left prison, I traveled around the country with him and spoke to thousands of kids about the evils of dog fighting, but frankly, about being good to animals in general. So I think all of that is 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 really just part of our process of thinking through these issues. And now we've kind of the political debate has largely ended, not entirely. Uh, you mentioned there's a bill to repeal the uh, the provision that was adopted last December by the Congress uh, applying the animal fighting laws everywhere in the U.S. The delegates from, from Guam and, and the Marianas and American Samoa, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands have all co-sponsored that, but not one other lawmaker out of the 535 has. And I do not believe there's any chance of that legislation moving one foot forward. Right. I mean, but I mean, again, we, we go back to this argument that, you know, we're uh, territories. And when you talk about representation, we don't have full representation. And now we're um, stuck with uh, this ban that, you know, we didn't have any input on. And I think that the territories being united on this kind of shows that we are all our representatives are all in agreement that uh, we should be able to fight chickens in the territories. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you, Chris, that, that the delegates have been united in, in that. I just think, though, again, we don't have a situation where, you know, the Oklahoma lawmakers decide the laws in Congress for Oklahoma. It's a collective body. They, they work as 535 members with the set of processes that exist. And, you know, uh, uh, your your delegate was newly elected last November, and Madeline Bordayo was, 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 the, was the delegate congresswoman before, and she spoke out against the, the legislation, as did the delegate from Puerto Rico and, and, and Stacey Plaskett, who represents the Virgin Islands. Their voices were heard. They, they spoke on the floor very passionately, and I think represented a lot of the views that you're articulating today in our discussion and the vast majority of lawmakers with all respect for those delegates because they're all respected members um, you know just disagreed and they adopted the provision now I, I will say that they had an important effect which was to delay the implementation of that provision that the Congress basically said okay hey we don't agree we want to see animal fighting banned, but out of respect for the delegates, we're going to delay implementation of this provision for one year, and we'd like to see cockfighting wind down. I haven't seen much evidence of that, especially when I went out there. It was more of a defiance attitude. And again, Chris, I want to say that I'm not going to defend the idea of the lack of full representation. I think that the, that the delegates and the Congress members from the territories are all important uh, and powerful voices for territorial concerns. And I know the governors came and, and spoke before key committees and articulated concerns um, about a wide range of issues. None of them raised cockfighting when they spoke uh, in front of a key Senate committee. But I don't think this is an example where full representation would have changed the outcome right. in any way. Right, right. Um, and and I, I think that, that this was this for the most part is just not a political close call and you know yesterday we released survey information and I think it's startling to, to people I mean 
I was not completely startled because I had heard the same arguments in Louisiana. The politicians in Louisiana were all pro-cockfighting, and they thought, oh, well, if I ever did something against cockfighting, all, all these cockfighters are going to come out of the bayous of, of, of Louisiana, and they're going to vote us out of office. Well, we did a poll showing that there was massive opposition to cockfighting in Louisiana, and after that, the whole situation turned around, and the numbers in Guam are very strong. You know, 61% of Guamanians support the ban on on cockfighting at the federal level. Um, the margin between general opposition to cockfighting and support for it's 38% margin in favor of banning cockfighting. And I just think that, that there's been a misreading of it. I think that the cockfighters are more powerfully speaking out about the issue. They're, they're aggressive about it. They're obviously feeling very personally... Uh, aggrieved by it, so I, I understand their passion in that respect. But when you ask average Guamanians how they feel, they have a good moral intuition, in my view, on this that you know this is something that should end. And uh, gambling and 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 the thrill of watching animals, you know, flash each other to death is just not is not cutting, um, you know, mustard in terms of our our moral decision making. Right. So how would you address the uh, those who are skeptical of um, the survey? Because, uh, you know, people are questioning uh, who was polled, uh, what was the sample size, how credible is it? Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, we're going to release some more information because we want to be transparent about that for the very reason that you say. You know, this, this was a little bit surprising for a lot of people. I think a lot of people thought the results might have been inverted that it would be, you know, 61 or 62 percent for cockfighting and maybe 24 against rather than, than you know, 24 for cockfighting and 62 percent against. Uh, we knew that, you know, I, I had no idea what the outcome was going to be. I had an instinct because I'd seen this issue play out in so many states that the people of Guam were going to be opposed. Uh, but... Uh, I knew that it would be really important to have a credible pollster, so we, you know, went to uh, a, probably the the longest serving pollster um, on on Guam, uh, Jay Merrill and his and his uh, market research and development group uh, had questions that were just you know straight down the middle in terms of do you favor or oppose cockfighting? Do you favor or oppose the federal law banning cockfighting? Uh, do you believe um, that it's appropriate for the federal government to to outlaw cockfighting? Uh, those questions were straight. We didn't we didn't wait the questions or stack the questions uh, because you know we we knew that we'd be asked what the questions are, and he you know he recommended I have not done polling you know in, in terms of practical on the ground work on animal welfare issues in Guam previously. You know, typically in a state, we might sample 400 or 600 or 800. He said it was a sufficient uh, number. 400 was a sufficient number for a plus or minus 5% uh, margin of error. Uh, for me, plus or minus 5% is a, is a, is a, you know, just something that the, the folks looking at this poll need to consider. So that means that at worst, from a, from a, from a pro cockfighting perspective, you know, there'd be 67% in favor of the ban. And at, at best for the cockfighters, it would be, you know, 57% for the federal ban. So right. either way you cut it with that 5% margin of error, plus or minus, 
they're strong, you know, more than two to one, almost three to one opposition to conflating on, on Guam. So just to be clear, you guys, uh, the a political action committee that you had hired market research and development to conduct this survey. Yeah, we hired them, uh, and they're they're I mean they're a polling firm on on the island, and uh, I don't think they have any history of working on this issue. I don't think they have any history of working on animal welfare issues. I think it was the first time, and and uh, we said, listen, you know, this ban is coming. Uh, we want to see how the people of Guam feel, um, and and ask them to do the survey, and we we paid them for it. But you know, this is a firm that again. I have no idea what the personal value system of the people are, um, and it's, it's frankly it's irrelevant. I just wanted them to do a good job from a from a public attitude and and statistical standpoint, and you know they did it. And I would say, you know, if if there's another polling firm that others want to commission with this issue, I say please, you know, go ahead and do it. I'm I'm confident because these these results are very similar to what we've seen in Puerto Rico. They're very similar to what we've seen in, in Louisiana and Oklahoma and New Mexico, which were the last states. Um, the states prior to that, that wouldn't, the politicians wouldn't address cockfighting and they feared the cockfighters were Missouri and Arizona. And when the issues went to the ballot in those states, there were uh, half the states have a citizen initiative process that allows direct voting on issues if you gather enough signatures. And the votes were overwhelming in Missouri and Arizona. Um, to ban cockfighting as well. So I, to me, it wasn't a surprise. I know it's a surprise to, to a lot of people who had assumptions, but I think those assumptions were driven by the intensity of the cockfighters' feelings rather than kind of an actual sampling of where all Guamanians uh, stand on this issue. Well, I think, too, they may have been driven by the fact that it's, you know, pretty normal for us to have cockfights at village fiestas. I mean, Guam is a little different. We have family networks. Um, so, like, going back to what I said about this cookie-cutter application, I feel like it's a it's a little different um, on Guam. Uh, yeah. but, you know, what, what? so the purpose of your poll basically is, are you saying that while politicians might have been kowtowing to uh, cockfighting interests on Guam, that uh, according to your survey, cockfighters aren't holding any political capital. Is that what you're trying to say? I'm, I'm saying that they represent a, a, a you know, sizable but small minority um, in terms of, of the electorate of Guam. That, you know, sometimes you may think, well, you know, they're only 10% or 20%, but they have a lot of intensity. I mean, politicians may measure that in terms of performance. Uh, but... But just in terms of raw numbers, I mean, if there were a ballot initiative, if, if Guam had that mechanism and there was a vote on the issue, uh, it would be a landslide on Guam against cockfighting. People would vote to ban it. You know, again, uh, Chris, I want to mention that it was it was, six, it was 61 or 62 percent in favor of the federal ban and, and not, uh, not even 25 percent against. I can only imagine those numbers might be bigger if it were a territorial ban, because you might have some people who who oppose cockfighting but also are critical of the federal government um, having that authority. So I think a territorial ban you know, might even get to the 7% mark would be my guess, because I think you're correct that you know there are a fair number of folks who are concerned about federal authority and the overreach of the federal government. But still, even with that, you know, 62% is... 
that's considered a landslide in American politics. Right. And can we go back to the reward? So uh, people are kind of under the impression that oh, yeah. if they see someone cockfighting, uh, they call a hotline. The next day they get cut a check for 2500 yeah, no, thank you for, uh, for bringing us back to that. I, I'm sorry, I, was, I didn't completely answer your question previously. I got off on some other uh, line of thought. Uh, it's $2,500 for information that leads to the arrest and conviction of, of someone involved in illegal um, animal fighting. So it wouldn't be enough to, to simply you know, provide the information. Um, uh, it, has to, it has to result in a conviction. Uh, that is something that you know, we're, we want to be real clear about. Uh, I've already gotten a, a, a fair number of emails from people on Guam, uh, probably, you know, 15 or 20 already, just reporting, um, you know, this detail or that. I actually got a couple of, of emails from the Northern Marianas with a picture of a cockfighting arena there. So I, I most of the federal um, uh, prohibitions against animal fighting already do apply. Uh, on Guam and, and in the Northern Marianas. Uh, the uh, ban on attendance, uh, the interstate transport or, you know, uh, movement of birds between a territory and state already applies. Uh, what is is new really is is that all of the exceptions for the territories are are omitted now from the from the law. So I do think that, you know, the cockfighters in Puerto Rico brought a federal case, basically, you know, making the culture argument there. Uh, that was essentially the predicate for their entire legal argument was that cockfighting has been part of Puerto Rico culture. A uh, U.S. District Court judge in San Juan of Puerto Rican descent um, uh, heard the case appointed by George W. Bush, and he essentially, you know, ruled against uh, the conquerors of Puerto Rico ruled in favor of the United States uh, and and said the Congress has the authority to to uh, stop dogfighting and cockfighting, that the Congress has deemed these activities are in and of themselves interstate enterprises uh, because of the widespread movement of fighting animals, the use of commerce, um, you know, the gambling associated with it, and the judge judge said, um, you know, he, he, he rejected any attempt to delay the implementation. And that U.S. District Court ruling, it's, I think, the fifth or sixth federal court ruling affirming the constitutionality of the, of the federal animal hunting statute. So, you know, I just don't think there's much recourse at this point. The, the, the bill that has just five co-sponsors in the Congress uh, is not going to advance. Uh, the courts have heard the appeals and rejected them, and the ban is is to be imposed uh, a week from now. I hope, and and you know, I I would 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 really hope that we don't have to pay one dollar of a reward. Not because I want to uh, see that our charity keeps the money. Uh, what I want is that I don't think it, it's a good outcome for anybody to go to prison. Uh, for five years, I don't think it's a good thing to have to pay a two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine. We want people to observe the law. Uh, I hope that not one person um, is arrested for this crime because no one does it. That's the easiest way to stay out of trouble is to obey the law. It's clear, and and uh, you know the federal authorities have have experience on this issue. The FBI has 
has uh, been involved in animal fighting investigations right. and arrests. The so, so US Wayne, the, the turnaround yeah. on the reward, right? So let's say I uh, call in a tip. Um, from that call to the resolution of the federal case resulting in a conviction, what do you think the timeline um, would be? Just to clarify for people who are um, looking to take advantage of this uh, reward system, are we talking like uh, a year, two years? And, I, and I, also, yeah, I guess... question. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it's a good question. I think if somebody pleads, you know, pleads guilty, that can expedite the case quickly and we would pay that reward. Uh, if if the case you know goes on for a while and it's you know fully argued, that's going to take a while longer. I think the Michael Vick case, you know, probably took um, you know seven or eight months. Um, uh, other cases, you know, were are resolved more rapidly, sometimes longer. So I would say it's you know it's definitely in the months. Um, you know, and and you know the, the the law. I think everyone is looking at the law taking effect. Again, even though some provisions already are in effect now, on December twentieth, if someone's arrested, you know they would they would uh, appear in the U.S. District Court, and I don't know what the caseload is. You know, different courts have different dockets, uh, but I I would hope that that um, that that folks would would uh, would not even get to that point because they're gonna they're gonna shut the pits down. I was I was pleased to see. I, I know that. That your governor has has spoken out against the cockfighting ban, but she did tell the mayors of the villages not to not to seek approval for cockfights at the festivals that are conducted because it's illegal. I don't think she wanted to uh, really uh, abet uh, a criminal activity by. So you, you've um, uh, spoken to the governor on this um, issue, uh, Wayne. Not personally, no. No, I've spoken to um, her staff on the issue and apprised them of of what we think the um, uh, legal issues are, what the federal authority is, and kind of how it works from a practical standpoint. Right. And and I did speak with legislators and uh, I spoke with other officials. Um, which uh, um, in, which in senators our, uh, were you able to speak with about this? I spoke with uh, with with Miss Miss Look, who who grew up there. We met with the Senate President, uh, who also indicated that she was against uh, our position. Um, and and uh, I also had an opportunity to share uh, information about this with the Attorney General. Um, everyone was very gracious. Um, a meeting does not mean that they agree with my view uh, on on the issue, uh, but I felt it was really important. Um, to just lay it out. There are a lot of false notions out there about what this is and what the provisions are and, you know, how it was adopted. And I, I thought it was really important that they heard our perspective. So, Wayne, what did you think that of the uh, government of Guam uh, passing into law, of basically um, saying that the enforcement of this federal cockfighting ban will have the lowest priority for the government of Guam? I mean, would you yeah, say that, that that's essentially yeah. a thumb to the nose uh, to the you know the feds? I would. I was disappointed in it. Yes, I I, I do think that that you know it, it really associated the legislators with the position that's at odds with the U.S. government on it. I I understood it, and and again, I think that many of them had the perception that support for cockfighting was overwhelming. I really hope they look closely at our poll 
Uh, I will provide a copy of that poll uh, to all of the senators um, uh, representing Guam. And I, I, I hope they, they have an open mind about really taking an honest look at how the people feel. Obviously, the people who are in office are successful politicians because they've, they've won um, you know, the votes in the past in order to serve. So I respect their ability to kind of gauge the sentiments of people. But frankly, on this one, they got it wrong. And uh, the people of Guam do not support cockfighting. I, I guess, uh, lastly, Wayne, there is, uh, in just researching uh, the uh, background of this issue, we came across the, uh, the stories about the allegations of uh, sexual harassment and uh, assault that were raised against you. What would, what would you say to the people who are kind of the optics of this, looking at it like we have this political action committee that just plunked itself down on, on the island and is, um, you know, ruffling feathers, pardon the pun, uh, and the head of this uh, guy is Im- imploring us to, you know, treat animals with dignity. And it could be argued that um, you don't treat women with that, that same dignity. Hmm. Well, uh, I just want to be clear. We're not a political action committee. We, we do have a political action committee. We're, we're at uh, a 501c3 charitable organization, the Animal Wellness Foundation, and then a 501c4 Animal Wellness Action. And um, I have really spent my career in animal welfare. I was CEO of the Humane Society of the United States. I resigned. Um, uh, sadly, I had uh, a really difficult work experience where uh, a couple of people made allegations. I denied them. My board voted in favor of, of me and, and retaining me, said that there was no substantiation of those allegations. Having said that, I absolutely positively um, believe that sexual harassment is wrong. Um, and I, I want to be super clear on that. I think women should have uh, all the safety in the workplace uh, that that uh, anyone should have and, and you know, specific protections there. I supported policies against sexual harassment when I was CEO of, of the organization. And I'm committed to maintaining that position in my new organization. The difference is with cockfighting, people are saying they do agree with cockfighting. They think it's okay. I don't think sexual harassment is okay. I think it's wrong. And I, you know, will tell you and your audience that I absolutely oppose it and would support efforts and have supported efforts to strengthen internal policies against it. So, you know, we all have circumstances in, in, in life. There are employment, uh, workplace issues that come up. There are typically two sides to every story. Uh, but I just want to say that I'm absolutely positively against workplace harassment of anybody. Right. Could you, uh, Wayne, if you could, could you clarify the, so the group that is uh, doing activities on Guam, is that not the political action committee or is it the charity arm of the organization or... Uh, could you kind of clarify that? Yeah, sure, sure. The uh, we we took uh, ads in the in the Guam Daily Post and the Pacific Daily News, and the two organizations that are supporting the campaign are the Animal Wellness Foundation, which is our foundation based in Los Angeles that is tied to a veterinary hospital, and we we mainly through that foundation provide medical services to animals who are owned by people who can't otherwise afford medical services. But we also do campaign 
to prevent animal cruelty and to keep animals in safe circumstances. So that's the Animal Wellness Foundation, which is a 51 c 3 charitable group. Its sister organization is a lobbying and political group called Animal Wellness Action. And you can go to the website at animalwellnessaction.org and look at the details, just like you can go to animalwellnessfoundation.org and go to the uh, website and look at the details. And and uh, for that group, it's mainly policy and politics. So that's a group that works to improve legal standards for animals. So we were the main group that pushed for the adoption of the federal um, anti-animal fighting law. And we really see this effort that we're engaging in now is just a logical continuation of that lawmaking effort. Now we want to see the law enforced. So they're different groups, but under the same umbrella. Yeah, pretty much. They're, okay. they're, they're, they're sister organizations. A lot of groups in, in D.C. have a, a 51C3, 51C4 PAC alignment, and they do charitable enterprises with some of the resources of the C3 and then political activities with the 51C4. Is there anything in closing that uh, you'd like to add, Wayne? Well, I, I just want to say, you know, I think it's a, a really good discussion. I, I, I hear you and I hear, you know, your perspective on this. I really understand that that uh, people feel like this, you know, came from outside. I, I, I get that. I, I just want to say that, you know, the world changes, right? I mean, standards on a wide range of workplace issues, on animal issues, on the environment, on labor issues, evolve over time. And, you know, for many, many years, animal cruelty was tolerated. And people thought that, you know, cruelty to animals was a nothing issue. Over time, the public has become more attuned to the needs of animals, their capacity to suffer, and our responsibility to do better. You know, I really don't talk so much about animal rights. I talk more about human responsibility. We are the species that has incredible intelligence, incredible creativity, incredible power. And how we use that intelligence is really a measure of our humanity. And I think that we're just closing the era on staged animal fights. And we're going to look back in 2050 or 60 and say, how could people have done that? And I think, frankly, we're going to do that about certain other issues, you know, trophy hunting of elephants or keeping animals in puppy mill, you know, uh, inhumane conditions, shooting animals in captive settings. There are things that are happening in the world that are moving in the direction of greater protections for animals. And this is one, and no one was targeting Guam or, you know, any other place because of the people there. It's simply an attempt to logically extend animal protection principles to every part of the United States. Thank you, Wayne. Good uh, good discussion, and I uh, definitely appreciate you uh, standing in and uh, responding to all the questions. Thank you very much, Chris. I look forward to keeping the discussion going.